Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Okay. Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I would like to thank yet again Taylor McGaw, who is a local real estate agent here in Waco, Texas, for sponsoring this um, episode. Taylor is a friend to us in sobriety. She just is an amazing um, individual, let alone an amazing realtor. So if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, be sure to look up Taylor McGaw um, in Waco, Texas. So today, um, I am I am blessed. I am so, so blessed because... I'm, I'm able to have a, a woman, and I did a little video that I posted just a few minutes ago coming down to the studio that I get to sit and talk to one of the very few women that I, I, I just respect. I respect her I- I immensely. I'm just, just immensely. Um, you know, I, I, I said in that video that, that, you know, there's a lot of us out here talking the talk, and I, I would like to think that I walk the walk when it comes to recovery. Um, but this woman just lives and breathes it, and I just am in awe of her selflessness um, and um, just her willingness to be there for other people the way God intended us to be. So um, I've got Natasha S. on today, and um, I'm just I'm so thankful for you being here. I just really am because I, I've I've known you for a little minute, a little while. right? A little while. But we've never sat down, and I don't never. think I've ever heard your story. No. Um, so it's one of those things where you know I'm just uh, you know we we go about in our community, and I love our community. I love 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 our community. Me too. I do. It's my and family. but there's there's some of uh, yeah some of my my dearest friends I've never really heard their stories. So on the show, that's what we do. We just yeah. we just say what what you know what it was like, what happened, and what we're like now. Um, just so we can try to reach another one of God's kids out there still suffering. So, yes. Natasha, thank you. Well, I am just honored to be here. Uh, I'm nervous, yeah. so uh, I'm just going to kind of focus on what God's deal is for 100%. me today. Um, and I believe in what you do because I believe that we don't talk about addiction enough. Um, and especially, and and I believe, you know, we all suffer from addiction. There's a lot of us that have um, gambling and sex and all those kinds of things, right? I think that it touches everybody's life in one form or another. Everybody knows somebody. Everybody right? knows somebody. And, uh, uh, but I work really, I work a lot with women mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I should be dead today. Really? I shouldn't be here. Uh, with everything that I've done, everything that I've been through, mental health, physical health, everything, 
Um, and what I've put into my body to take the pain away and to make me feel good about myself, mm-hmm. um, I should not be alive today. And there are many of us that are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do believe, I don't, you know, there's so much controversy of whether we're born as alcoholics or we were taught alcoholism or right. whatever. I don't, I don't care. Right. The, the results are the same, it right? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I am where is, I am. However I, I am. got here, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, but what I will tell you, and I'll just kind of start off from my childhood. Sure. Um, I had... I mean, I would say a normal childhood in respects that um, I had a single mom who raised me. Now, did you grow um, up here in no, Texas? No, I'm from California. Really? So okay. I've been here since 2004. Okay, got it. Uh, and that's a whole other story that gotcha. I'll get into a little bit down the road. Gotcha. But, um, so I w- Orange County, California, mm. great neighborhoods. People had money. It was nice. There was no... Um, it just was a nice place to grow up in. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle class, I'd say. My mother was a CPA, um, and she had divorced my dad when I was a baby because he was an alcoholic. Uh, so I didn't grow up around alcohol at right. all. My mother did not drink. She had her Mormenthal cigarettes and her black coffee. Wow. That was it. She didn't date men. Um, she was extremely intelligent. She was a CPA. She made good money. Um, and I have a half-sister that moved out when I was five. So I pretty much grew up alone. Right. Um, and I, my mother today, I know, did the best that she could do, but she was not a very emotional, huggy, lovey person. Right. I am. I don't know why <laughs> God made me that way, but I need hugs and love yep. and reassurance, and that's part of my alcoholism, right? I, I want to please everybody. Everybody has to like me. Right. Um, and so I grew up feeling not good enough, not tall enough, not pretty enough, not smart enough. And I say that all the time because I never felt normal. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting uh, in kindergarten, and and so I ha- experienced some molestation as a child. Uh, I have, It's one of my first memories. Um, it was a, a thing that happened over and over and over again, and uh, I can't say for 100% if I even know who it was. I mm-hmm. have some suspicions just on trying to relive it and trying sure. to go back. Uh, but it really doesn't matter. The fact is is that I, I, my first experience with men and with sex was uh, wrong. Right. And was at an age that I couldn't comprehend it. And I related that to being loved, mm. to being loved. Um, yeah, I get, I get that. It, that happens a lot in our community. I mean, you, with, with women, mm-hmm. the, the, the amount of people that, that this has happened to is, is also staggering. It's the trauma. It almost goes hand in hand. Oh, my gosh. Um, 99% of the women that I work with have some sort of sexual trauma. Really? And if not that, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, men. I know so many men that uh, they don't come forward, but they also were victims mm-hmm. when they were children. And that just distorts our mm. view of humanity of, and of our work and, and of who themselves. we are. Yes. Um, and so it took me a long time in sobriety to put those two things together right. as to why I was addicted to men mm-hmm. as well. Um, but um, so I experienced all that. And when I was around five years old, I changed, right? It changed me. So I, w- I remember being just carefree and fun and loving and I have pictures of where I was just a normal kid in a bathing suit running around um, and then fast forward like a year later and I'm and I've, I'm in a picture a school picture crying my eyes out I could not stop oh wow um, I was terrified of going anywhere in public I was in school and I would hide underneath the desks and I did that till like third grade like I would just be so overwhelmed with people and noise and just what was and 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 what it was is I was like nobody likes me mm-hmm. nobody loves me I'm not good enough mm-hmm. and so I would hide, mm-hmm. um, 
And I had somebody in my family who made fun of that for many years, uh, and it really, it really hurt my self-esteem. But um, I've forgiven. That is mm-hmm. what we do. So, so anyways, I'm, I'm growing up with my mom, and she's got an identical twin sister who's her life. So I go over to my cousins all the time. I grow up with my cousins. But my mother was never there for me. She was never um, emotionally supportive. Uh, when I talked about what happens to women and when I tried to bring it up to her and ask her questions, she'd say, go ask your sister or go oh, ask wow. somebody else. Um, I was allowed to watch HBO and Cinemax. Oh, dear. When I was like six you got and an edu- seven. You got an education so there. So that huh? was what I thought love yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I got to about 12 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, and I started wanting to be out. Um, and I just started meeting some kids in the neighborhood who were kind of up to no good. And, um, you know, I can remember, I remember, I don't have, my memories are so fleeting because of all the stuff I've put into my body. But um, I remember specifically the first time I took a drink. It was at a party uh, in a kid's garage. Now, these are rich kids. These are well-off kids, right? right? And so they had strobe lights and smog effects. And I remember taking that drink. And I was terrified there. Like, I was shaking. I was so nervous. Now, how old were you then? I was about 13, 12 or 13, okay, I think. It. It was, I was young. Yeah, yeah. It was young. Young enough. Young. Way too young. Way. Um, and I remember taking a couple drinks, and it just went away. It just went away. You mm. know, it talks about, we talk about uh, this restless, irritable, and discontent stuff, um, and it just goes away. I just was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent the next probably 10 years um, chasing that. And you know, I, I was talking with someone on, on one of the shows not not too long ago about it because I totally get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, at least for me, I belong. Mm-hmm. And before that moment, mm-hmm. before I got that, that alcohol in my body, I had never belonged anywhere. Right. And I think us as human beings, we have this innate need to belong, to belong somewhere to someone to something God or made so, us that and, way exactly and it. when we don't have that when we find mm-hmm. something I mean it you know I yeah. get I get it and so that yeah. feeling of belonging was just yeah it's, finally obtained we hear it from everybody mm-hmm. that we come in contact with in our world mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to belong and that right. that was me and I did you know I still um and what I did is I thought love was sex Mm. And so that's what I did. And uh, and that's what my goal was. I'm going to find him. Right. He's going to save me. He's going to rescue me. He's going to be my person. And nobody gave two craps about mm. me. Nobody cared. It was just alcohol and drugs. I did a lot of methamphetamines when I was like 16 and 17 for like a two-year span. And I don't know what it was. I just... It just wasn't for me. I, w- I was too afraid. I'm kind of a wuss. I don't want to go to jail. I don't, wanna, I don't want anybody to not like me so much. And I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be in trouble. Right. And so it just was too scary for me. And, uh, and I was able to quit doing it. But I always drank. Mm. Now, mind you, I had no clue I was an alcoholic. I thought this was normal stuff. Now, did you know at that time that your dad was an alcoholic? Did I you did. have that knowledge at I least? Knew, I know I you knew. weren't raised by him. But I didn't know what that meant. Okay, got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. My mom would say he was an alcoholic, and he was in and out of my life. And I, I have some wonderful memories of when he was sober and took me to the zoo. Uh, we had this thing where the gorillas were our favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... I remember him taking me to L.A. to Skid Row and saying, You're, you can end up like this. Oh, goodness. You know what I mean? Like trying to teach <laughs> right me that lesson. Right, scared straight. And, right, right. Yeah. And I'm like 
terrified. What I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. I can remember that today, though. I get um, it. So I was um, just drinking and just kind of, man, I thought it was normal to steal your mom's ATM card and go steal money mm-hmm. to buy drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and pay for parties for all your friends. I thought it was normal to have your boyfriend move in, your 22-year-old boyfriend when you were 16, move into your mom's house, you know? I thought that was normal. I'm like, I'm just having fun. It's okay. Um, and when I was about 20, I want to say 20, I got pregnant with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got married in Las Vegas at a Justice of the Peace because that was the right thing to do. And he moved in with me and mom. Um, now, I was smoking a lot of pot back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as I had my daughter, I couldn't handle it. Like, I really never smoked pot again. Hmm. It, there was something psychological about it where I didn't feel in control, but right. I drank. Right. I could drink. Um, and he was a heroin addict and uh, just couldn't stay sober. And uh, so we, I kicked him out. Mm-hmm. We kicked him out. Um, and around that time is when the housing market boomed in California. And my mom had a side business with my aunt. They were cross-stitching things. And they'd made some money. Um and my aunt's daughter had moved to Texas, up to Lantana, uh, Denton County. And uh, so my mom, we moved here. They were able to buy brand new homes in this beautiful community for really, really cheap. This was in 2004. Mm. We moved in August, so here I am in Texas. Um, I don't know anybody. The guy I was dating at the time actually had family out here, so he moved out here oh, wow. to Texas. Uh, and I found out I was pregnant again. Um, so, now mind you, I'm still drinking. Right. I'm 26 at this time, I think. Really didn't, didn't think I was an alcoholic. I had some controlled drinking. I was, I had a job. I was taking care of my daughter. I was living at, but living at my mom's, mind Mm -hmm. you. I've never been out on my own. Right. Living at my mom's, um, and she's getting older, so I'm helping her, like going grocery shopping for her. She's supporting me and my daughter. Um, and I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, and I don't love you, because I really didn't love him. Um, but I didn't want to be alone sure. either. Uh, and so Christmas Day rolled around, and my mom's house and my aunt's house were right next to each other, beautiful homes, and I think it had even snowed. And uh, I was in the – my mom and I were smoking cigarettes in the garage, and, and I told her I was pregnant. And she said, you know what, I love you. And I'm proud of you. You, You're doing things a lot different. And uh, you do what you want to do, and I support you. And I love you. Wow. And now she, I don't honestly ever recall my mother ever telling me she loved me. Okay? Um, So that was, uh, so I started having this hope. Um, And I was, but I was drinking, and I was pregnant, and it was Christmas. And everybody was next door getting ready, and I was cooking. um, And my mom had said she didn't feel very good. Um, oh, we had sat at the table, said grace, eaten, and I was cleaning up next door something. And, uh, and I'd been drinking, so I was buzzed, and me and my boyfriend were fighting, because that's what we do when mm. we drink. <laughs> and uh, my mother said she wasn't feeling well and went into the room uh, to lay down, and my sister was like, hey, just keep an eye on her. Well, I was drinking and forgotten, um, and I think it had been about an hour, and I went to go check on my mom finally, and she was, uh, she'd had a heart attack. And she was in her bathroom on the floor by the toilet, and uh, she was gone. Um, And and I'm drinking, and so it was just a whirlwind of chaos, and um, it just, it was 
it was my mom, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And she was so far in debt. There was, she didn't leave anything. And I know that sounds selfish, like she should have left me money. But I had nothing. Like, I, right. everything of mine was in her name. Sure. I had nothing. So me and the boyfriend moved in together. So I had my daughter. I had my son that I just had, you know, I, a couple months later had my son. Um, and I'd gotten into a car accident when I was pregnant. And this was back in 2005, mm-hmm. and uh, and pain pills were still. This is kind of right when it was becoming oh, a well, thing. Oh well, yeah. And I had been working at a doctor's office as a receptionist. Perfect storm coming Ooh. right here. And I didn't know what, to, and I couldn't deal with my mom. hadn't dealt with it. Really hadn't accepted that she was gone. And I'm living with some guy I don't love, and I'm raising two kids, and and I uh, started calling in prescriptions for myself. And I did that for about six months until I finally got caught. And I remember the day I got caught, the police were like, oh, you're just a soccer mom. You can come and turn yourself in. Because um, I had my kids with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they let me turn myself in. I walked in. They checked me in. I walked out. Um, I have a grandma who, um, and my grandpa that lived in California, she was always kind of in the background taking care of me and loving me she kind of gave me that maternal stuff because mm-hmm. excuse me that's where I would go when my mom was at work and you know and she sure. was a big part of my life and uh, she always believed in me and they helped me buy a lawyer or pay for a lawyer mm-hmm. and I ended up with I had like eight counts of felony uh controlled substance by fraud charges oh wow and they dropped it and never went to jail I turned myself in and came back out. Right. Right? Because I don't do jail. Right. I am terrified of jail. This is really God just doing for me. You know? And I don't right. even have God in my life. We didn't go to church. We didn't talk about God. I don't think my mother mentioned Jesus or God one time in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I knew cousins went. Sure. Um, and so um, I ended up with just getting some deferred, deferred adjudication for it. And I was on probation for 10 years. Um, and I'd gotten off the pills, but I could drink. Well, legally, I wasn't supposed to drink. Right. Um, and what happened was, is I started going out and partying, right? The, I sent my daughter to go live with her dad, and, uh, and I just did, had no way of coping with death and loneliness, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I started drinking, partying all night, leaving my boyfriend at home, and it was just a real mess. And uh, my probation officer said, listen, you're like a soccer again, soccer mom. What is right? that about? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was just kids? the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it was a coined phrase back then too. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Remember that? Yep, it's just yep, a soccer yep. mom. I'm like, I've never even been to a soccer game. <laughs> um, so they, so the, you know, I'm on probation, ten years, you know, felony adjudicated probation, and I can't stay sober. Right, and I got these guys wrapped around my little finger thinking I'm some soccer mom, right. and I'm just, I just don't know what to do. And it finally came down to, uh, well, you can either go to jail or you can go to treatment. Oh, the probation officer mm-hmm. said this. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and here's the deal. I still didn't think or know or realize I was an alcoholic and an addict. Like, I didn't – that was nowhere Isn't in my brain space. how that happens? I still thought this was, nor- this was just me. Right. It was just normal. And so, so I go to treatment, and where does treatment bring me? The Freeman Center down here in Waco. Oh, wow. This was in 2008 was the first time I went. I did 90 days. Now, I had to walk away from my son and my boyfriend, and he ended up taking him back to California. Oh, wow. So now I've got my daughter who lives with her dad in North Dakota, and I have my son who's in California. 
And you're in te- Central Texas. And I'm Texas. in Texas, okay? And I'm, I think I'm doing the deal. Like, okay, I go to some meetings. I'm doing, you know, I'm in treatment. They had them in the basement. And I get, you know, a, a, a person that's kind of helping me walk this walk of sobriety. And, but I'm not connected to anything, right? People are saying, you got to get connected to God. You got to have a relationship. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm connected. Yep. That's what you tell me to do. Uh, and, I, and I got out and I drank. And I had nothing. I had a car in my name. I don't even know if it was in my name, to be honest. But <laughs> I had a car. And a friend of mine let me stay at his mobile home. Uh, and I remember I got out. I was like, I'm not going to drink. This, this is it. I'm not going to drink. And that night I had one beer. Yay, I had mm. one beer. I can do this. The next night I had two beers. It was great. We had a good time. No, no big party, just hanging out. By the third night, I was drunk in a bar sleeping with dudes, lost my glasses, woke up in a place I didn't even know I was in my car, and I'm, like, have nowhere to go. Within three days. Yeah. So I spent the next six months uh, living in my car, living in garages, uh, basically selling myself for food, for housing, for companionship, for drugs. I was doing drugs again, smoking a lot of mm-hmm. crack. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to say yeah, that. Do but you, do you, babe. Um, doing hardcore <coughs> drugs, doing hardcore things to not die. Uh, and, of course, things happen to women when they're out on the streets, right? And I think it's okay. It's normal. Maybe they love me. Maybe he's going to save me. Right. This mentality of he's going to save me, and I'm just going to – I'm going to pick the right one. Um, this will be the one. This will be the mm-hmm. one. And I, I'm on probation. I'm AWOL. So I'm still on 10-year probation. It's only been like three years. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you stayed here, though, when you got out? Or did you go back up to? Nope. I've been in, been in Texas. Stayed um, here. And actually, I was in Shadow Spring. Got it. A whole me- I mean, just six. I can't even tell you. People were using my car for robberies. Like, it was just. Nuts. I was homeless. And um, selling myself and uh, really not caring what happened to me. And I don't know what happened, but something in me said, you got to go back to treatment. You might have this deal. And um, so I don't, I don't remember exactly how I got, but I went back to the Freeman Center. Mm-hmm. And I did 30 days. Um, and I really was like, I think I might be an alcoholic. Like, I think this is it. And I, and I, and I kind of started doing the recovery thing, and I met a guy. <laughs> uh, but he quit drinking and smoking pot when we started dating. So he's perfect. He's perfect. <laughs> so sweet. And he was. He grew up with a mom just like me. So he understood me, and I right. was sober. And this is when I actually met Jennifer. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Okay, and okay. I think she was my sponsor. This was a while ago, and I have some stuff. I think she was my sponsor at one time. Oh, I, isn't that such a small that world? Is. And um, and I was sober for like a year, and I got pregnant. Mind you, we're living in a motel. It was the Mardi Gras downtown mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they destroyed it. We were, mm-hmm. That's where we lived. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, I was pregnant, and things were going okay for living in a hotel, and we were working. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think maybe I got into another. I don't know what happened, but I got on the pills again. Mm. Um, And here's what happened the next seven years. Uh, I got addicted to tramadol, which is a non-narcotic. Right. But it's also an SSRI, so it causes, it has like mental benefits as well as pain relief. 
Um, I got booted out of Providence, Hillcrest, because I'd been to the ER so many times. Yep. I've been put in mental hospitals from detoxing because I would go crazy. Okay. Now, mind you, I'm having another baby, so I have two kids now. We're living in hotel rooms. Uh, We moved to Las Vegas because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can get closer to my son. Mm -hmm. We lived in a motel in Vegas for a year, and I never saw my son once. I was booted out of two ERs from that, from Las Vegas, and in two different mental hospitals in Las Vegas over this time period. Um, But I'm raising my kids, okay? I don't know how to explain it, but there's no violence around them. There's no drugs around them. There's no alcohol around them. They're fed. They're bathed. They're loved. I'm loving them. Okay, I love, that was my thing, is that they will know that I love them. Mm -hmm. They had bedtimes, I brushed their teeth. Like, I had some semblance of normalcy on these pills, except for when I, it it was almost, you know, but I'm home at night, and I think about seven years went by, my kids are a little bit older, we went to Louisiana to be close to his family, lived in hotel rooms, and lived in um, uh, mobile homes, and it was just constantly trying to find the place Mm -hmm. that would be better where I could do this and it got to the point where I was like I can't take these pills anymore I'm so tired of hurting I'm so tired of not knowing if I can function during the day without them and I couldn't I could not but I mean I was crushing them and snorting them I was trying to buy them online I was there were people in the neighborhoods that we'd be at that I would buy pills from Mm -hmm. um and I was something had told me just take a drink now, mind you, I hadn't drank in seven years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you didn't say that. I oh, wow. Had, I had not drank, so I thought I so was sober. Right. So you said, but but looking back, your substance, you know, because uh, because believe it or not, we do have a bunch of listeners that aren't aren't in our community. So right. so you know, believe it or you know, if you can see, you're like substituting. You know, mm-hmm. there, it, it gets me when when someone comes into a recovery room and says, you know, I haven't drank in thirty days, but I still smoke weed. And it's uh-huh. like, oh dear. Yeah. That's. I thought I was sober. I mean, don't mind the mental hospitals and the ER visits Mm -hmm. and my kids watching me be wheeled away in an ambulance with (laughs) fake injuries. Oh, gosh. Fake injuries. I jumped off a ladder on purpose to go to the ER. That's what I did because I was in so much pain and couldn't physically do without the pills. Pills are death to me. Pills are like heroin. And they really are. Oh, they really, Um, like literally are. I'm I that thank you Jesus that's the one thing I never touched but I've heard that coming off of pills is worse really I have um and so but my experience is I don't care it was hell mm-hmm. every single you just wanted it time to stop. and so I find my brain finally went look you haven't drank in seven years you're not an alcoholic so just take just drink you could just have a beer at the end of the night right um and I don't remember having that thought at the time and I just on my way to pick my kids up from school, pull into a gas station. We're in Louisiana at this time. And I picked up a pint. A good old Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, $2.50. Mm-hmm. And I picked my kids up from school, went home, and I drank it, and everything was great. Oh, wow. I had that, that I can only explain it Ease as I comfort. finally breathe mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I had fun with the kids, and we danced and listened to music. You felt loud. normal. I did feel normal. Yes. And nothing bad I happened. Get it. Nothing bad happened. Well, here's the deal. Me and my husband at the time, um, he had trouble keeping a job, so I blamed him for all our problems. Of course. 
um, I was unavailable emotionally, right? He couldn't trust me because I lied all the time about medications and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, we just, just wasn't, wasn't a good marriage. Um, he was an amazing father, mm -hmm. always has been. Um, and he never drank or smoked pot or anything. Oh, wow, never. wow, he was wow, sober wow. the whole time. I even Dang. tried to get him to take pills with me. Right. And he would take a couple and he'd just be like, mm. I'm good, I'm good. Wow. Um, so I don't think he's one of us. Even yeah, I don't up, think I so. I don't think so, um, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, so I, we finally had this bright idea that we're going to go back to Waco because I know that there's a recovery community in Waco because mm -hmm. I'd gone to some places and I'd had a, a sponsor and I had, I knew that I could get sober in Waco uh, and that was 2016. Well, we ended up living in a hotel room. Um, I guess I won't name it since we're local, but it's the hotel room. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm drinking, but then I would start taking pills again to stop drinking because I knew I couldn't drink because when I drink, I cheat, I run off, I stay out all night, my kids don't see me for two days. Right. When I'm taking pills, I'm home, mm -hmm. right? And I'm a loving wife, and it's a please, I'll never do it again. Right. I'll never do it again. Every time. And you meant it. And I meant it. I'm I mean, not I mean, lie detector, put a gun to my head. I'm. I, I, how many times did you quit forever? I remember calling you him know? up from spending the night at some dude's house somewhere downtown, uh, and and saying, "Can you just come pick me up? I promise I'll never do this again. Please don't hate me." And he did. He picked me up and mm -hmm. brought me home to my children. Mm -hmm. And I did that for a year, a year. Um, and one, I, it was Thanksgiving of 2016. 2017 it was thanksgiving of 2017 and he'd had enough and his mom and brother were living here in waco and he i remember i was drunk mm -hmm. and i'd just been over at some other dude's room okay and he had just come home from work and he said that's it i'm taking the kids to my mom's and he did he took them and that night uh i went to a bar I drove to a bar. Right. Uh, let some guys take me around. Um, things happened, mm -hmm. right? And mind you, I'm a 39-year-old, oh, 38, 39-year-old mother, soccer mom mm -hmm. from Orange County, California. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm being dropped off at Highway 6 in Franklin. They just dropped me off. And I remember walking down Franklin. It was like 2, 3 o'clock. I don't even know what time it was. No cars. And I'm just walking in the middle of the road. I'm like, done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, and car, the, every once in a while, a car would come because I'd go over onto the other side right. to, like, walk into oncoming traffic. Mm -hmm. And they'd, they'd move out of the way. Sure. Um, that's all I remember. The next thing I remember is the hotel room door swinging open and my ex-husband standing in the doorway like this, staring down at me. And I wake up and I just go, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I look back now, and, and when I, you know how you try to look back in your past and you try and look at things, you get a visual? Yes. There were wings. Oh, wow. There were wings. And I don't, and it's taken me a long time to be a spiritual person. There were wings. Okay. So now, was he actually there? He was there. Wow. He was there, but there were wings behind him. I don't know, but it, I can clearly see wings. That's and, amazing. Um, and I went to DePaul, and I went to Senecor. 
and uh, which are treatment centers. Yes, yes. They, yeah, DePaul is a mental. It's a crisis center for when which you're you were suicidal. in crisis. I was well. It was Thanksgiving. Yeah. Senecor wouldn't take me. Oh, got it. Okay, but you were still in pretty. And I couldn't crisis. do. I had to go somewhere. Right. Um, because I was still drunk and I had to detox, and so I detoxed at DePaul, and then I went to Senecor. Mm. Um, and I got in there, and it is November twenty fifth. 2017, and uh, and I had an um, awesome counselor. He was so fly. He had the coolest shoes. <laughs> I just always well dressed. And I was the, and I came in and I did my work. And I've been there for three days. I do really good in institutions. I do too. <laughs> I did too. I had my highlighter and I made sure that I turned my work in on time. And yeah, yes. you know, ahead of time. Uh, well, yeah, I didn't want to overachieve. <laughs> I was yeah, big I was, sister. Yes. I love it. Gave um, everybody advice. Day three. Yeah, I did. Right? I gave everybody advice. And I and I have this little red red book, and I'm reading it, and I'm highlighting, and I'm like, I go to my counselor, and I said, okay, I think I'm ready to go home. I've been there three days. Oh, I'm ready to go home. I want I want to be with my kids. I miss my kids. And he took one look at me, and he said, I think you need to go into your room, find something to pray to, hit your knees, and ask for help. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know what happened or why I did it. I just knew I had to do it. So I did. And uh, and the next day, like, I had this feeling of, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I better shut up and listen and do what people tell me. And that's what I did. I did that for 30 days. I spent Christmas in there. My husband would bring my kids. Mm. Uh, I broke up with my husband in there because of – him. Right. Okay. <laughs> a couple hymns. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the what we do in treatment is we're alone and we're so we hook up or we meet yes. people. Um and uh and I, the day I was to get out, now he picked me up and I was gonna go back and live with him and the kids because he'd gotten an apartment and that was my condition and I told him maybe we'll try. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know what else. I have nobody. My my dad is in California, he's a drunk, I hadn't talked to him in twenty years. My mom's gone. My half-sister and I don't talk. I'm not close to anybody. I have nobody. My grandpa passed away while all this stuff was happening. Oh, wow. Didn't even know. Didn't even know. Um, and uh, so I have my grandma, and I'm kind of talking to her a little bit, but she she never really left my side. But, um, you know, she's done. She's not going to oh, give yeah. me anything or pay my rent. She supported me and my husband and sent us thousands of dollars paid for me. Anyways. She was done, but she wasn't done done. Mm-hmm. Like, she would be there, and she'd talk to me, and I'd tell her how I was doing. And um, So I move in with my husband and my kids, and uh, but, but I started going to recovery meetings. The day that I left, they said, you better go and get connected with recovery today. Mm-hmm. And I did that the day that I left. And about 30 days of living with my ex and the kids, and I just I w- had this overwhelming feeling of I'm going to drink. And I was still doing what I was supposed to be doing every right. single day, going, 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 every single day, doing recovery. Um, but but I was not happy. Um, nothing had changed. We were still living in a crap hole with no heat. It was winter. Oh, wow. Because I got out uh, January. I got out December 26th, actually, of 2017. Mm-hmm. So I lived with him until February of 2018. That's for about 30 days after, maybe 60 days. Um it was about 30 days. So anyways, uh, and I had one of the women that I'd kind of come in contact with in 2008 and 2010 from the Freeman Center. 
somehow I got reconnected to her. Maybe it was in the rooms. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I called her up and I said, I'm going to drink. I don't know what to do. I don't want to live here. Oh, wow. Knowing that I couldn't take my kids right. wherever I was going to go. Right. And she said, well, hey, I have this sober living that I have. And, uh, and I've got a bed. And I said, I have no money. I have nothing. I have a car. So for those for those people that aren't aren't in in our world, mm-hmm. tell tell them what what is what does that mean? Sober living. What does that so mean? So sober sober living is usually a residential home. Um, if it's done correctly, it's a woman's home and a men's home separate, mm-hmm. right? You have men's sober livings and women's sober livings. Um, where you basically have enough freedom to hang yourself, mm-hmm. but enough accountability to keep you connected if you're ready. Right. So there's a curfew. They do random UAs. You have to meet for a house meeting. Um, and your focus has to be your 12-step program. So there's structure. Structure. Yeah, which most of structure. us didn't, at least mm-hmm. in my experience, mm-hmm. 11 and a half years, most of us didn't have an experience with good structure. Right, yeah. right. And, and, um, and it was just for women. And, uh, and I moved in. And I knew I couldn't take my kids with me. Um, and that was that I, I had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's how this went. He ended up moving back to his mom's house with my kids. And mind you, he's furious with me. He hates me. He loves me. He wants to make it work. He doesn't want to make it work. Um, and he's like, I'm keeping the kids. You're not stable. I don't trust you. All the things that he should have been. Mm-hmm. And here's how God works, even when I didn't know who God was. Um, the sober living home was one block away from his mother's house. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's how I came into sober living. I had an out-of-state expired driver's license. I had a car that was in repo that they were looking for with no brakes. I mean, people would tell me they're going to catch on fire, and I drove it. Um, I had a couple of boxes, which I still have today, of my mother's china. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how I kept track of those things. I still have them today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably three outfits. This is what I had when I came into sober living. Nothing. And nobody to call and say, hey, can I borrow some money? Right. Like, can you loan? Like, nobody. Right. Nobody. I was by myself. Um, and a husband who hated me. Two kids I hadn't raised and hadn't seen in 15 years. Two, two children. I hadn't even made an effort. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because I was so busy with what I was doing. And... Um, and he had my kids, but he, God put those kids a block away from me so that I could walk and go see them. And their dad had enough, um, had has something in him to know that they needed their mother, that he started letting me pick him up from school. Oh, wow. And he needed to work, so, and he didn't really want them with his mom, and, you know, she was old and had been a drug addict and alcoholic right. her whole life, and it just wasn't a pretty place, mm-hmm. so it gave him an opportunity to go to, sc- I'd pick them up from school, they'd come to the sober living, I'd bathe them, do their homework with them, uh, go to a meeting, then I'd go to the park, and then I'd bring them home, and wow. I did that, that's what I did, that, that was my life, um, and so what happened was, what happened this time, the only thing, because I look back and I sit in meetings and I hear people talk and I'm like, but what did I do? Mm-hmm. Why did it work this time? Mm-hmm. And the only reason I can think it worked is because I shut up. I stopped talking about myself. I stopped saying I know because mm-hmm. I did not know. 
And I did what people told me to do, period. Even if you didn't understand nope. why you were doing it. Most of my beginning of sobriety was just repeating prayers. Mm -hmm. I had no connection. I knew I needed a connection, and I was willing to have a connection. And I just did the work mm -hmm. over and over and over again and went to the meetings and showed up and stayed sober. Um, I can tell you very vividly in treatment, the obsession was removed. Wow. I have not had the desire to drink or drug since I've been sober. That does not mean I haven't had horrible moments oh, where, sure. where I've weighed, and it, we were talking about this a minute ago, mm -hmm. a while ago, was where I weighed, I can't drink, but I can't live. Right. Like, I've had some of those moments in sobriety, mm -hmm. um, and I had crap jobs, and um, but I just continued to do it. And, and mind you, I feel like I'm this woman that was homeless and, and just not worth anything. And I remember a couple of people, not just men, some women saying, you are, you can do so much more. Like there's something in you. And I'd be like, I, why don't we believe that? I was like, I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. And I'd just show up and I would just do this. And, um, and COVID happened, right? And, uh, and so I'm in sober living. I'm doing a job from home in sober living. And um, I'm dating a guy in the rooms, which mm -hmm. they tell you not to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. uh, but he has a year of sobriety. He works a program, and he's also in a men's sober living. Right. Um, and so we're dating in the rooms. Like it was, and he, we're, like we'd go to the rooms, and then we'd go out. Right. With the kids, right? And so, and we kind of had built this relationship. Um, and the woman who had created the house that I was living at had also started a social enterprise called uh, down at Union Hall, mm -hmm. Milkshakes, mm -hmm. and the purpose was that it was going to put money into the house because Sunshine Recovery House is a 501c3. Uh, the rent pays the bills. Right. Period. Right. There's no, we are 100% solely relying on donations. Right. And rent. And the women's rent. So that business was created to help support the any type of repairs or anything else yes. the girls might need or anything yes. like that. This beautiful, magical idea. Well, when COVID happened, the executive director was like, I've got to go on sabbatical. I've got to step away, you know. And she had like seven years, and she was my mentor. Mm -hmm. uh, she introduced me to people that I never thought I'd meet. Like, uh, I went to um, McLean Stadium, mm -hmm. Baylor Stadium. Like, up in the dining area. Wow. Like, I'm just a, a woman who's sold herself for food. Right, and was homeless, and here I uh, am. And I'm yeah. standing up here in a nice outfit. Mm -hmm. um, I also had the opportunity to go through a, a beautiful program for women in the industry. It's an amazing program uh, that helps women learn self-esteem and mm -hmm. get connected to God. And my, Now, I have to tell you, through all of this, I think I'm connected to God. I'm, I'm believing that there's a God, okay? Um First couple years of sobriety, there's got to be a God, right? Mm -hmm. Too many things are happening. Um, and this thing happened in COVID. And uh, anyways, I like to be very careful about how I address this. Sure, sure. She had decided to step away. Right. And um, she was a mentor of mine, deeply respected, loved and adored her. Um, and the board of directors had kind of said, hey. Of the sober living. Of the sober mm -hmm. living had said, hey, listen, uh, why don't you become a house manager? And there was never a house manager. And I've been there two and a half years, and I wasn't planning on leaving. I had nowhere to go. I mm -hmm. didn't make enough. I was making 875 as mm -hmm. a shift lead, okay, in 2020, 
two. Right. Uh, two, well, 2020. And so anyways, um, so I said yes, 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 yes. And, uh, and then the person who was running the milkshake shop relapsed. Oh, goodness. And I was working there. I had decided to take on to work there and be the house manager. And be the house. So the manager. house manager, just so you do, so you know, you know, is is just exactly that. You've got sober living, so you've got several women. How how many women can be in that house at one time? Just get the just new an idea. house that we have now. Um, it, we can hold ten. Okay, so you're you're just basically as a house manager, yes. making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be they're doing. You're not home, a drill sergeant. You're no. not their mama, but you're there to just just oversee and lead by example. Right. Lead by oh, example. Pressure. So so I have to make sure that I'm always doing what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. And there was a time when I was like, I have to be perfect. Right. Um, so I kind of feel That's what the lot. other executive director probably had to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be perfect. I can't screw up. Mm-hmm. I can't and I did in the room. Mm-hmm. A lot of wreckage in early sobriety. But um so anyways I stepped over to the milkshake place. And um, and the, the woman who was running it relapsed, and they said, hey, listen, you've got a lot of management experience in the food industry, which I did, mm-hmm. and they're like, can you manage Unshakeable? And so I was like, yeah, sure. I got a raise. I was making more money than I'd ever made Life before. Is good. And, I, and I'm not talking bankroll. I'm just making more than $10 right. an hour. Well, right? yeah. <laughs> which I'd never made before. Um, but I'm running a milkshake shop, and I'm – a house manager at a sober living and my kids I'm with my kids all the time and things are starting to like happen that just me mm-hmm. running a milkshake shop being a hat I don't this is crazy mm-hmm. right there's got to be a God right um and I have to seek God on the daily like this is what I'm learning right and um so I'm staying sober uh COVID happens milkshake blah 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 I get to a point in my recovery where um, I have to make some decisions about the milkshake shop because it's taking money. Mm-hmm. When when I took over, there was a lot of financial stuff that was not right that had to be righted, and it took all the money. Right. Um, and so that was affecting uh-huh. the, the recovery house. So the recovery house was, in effect, supporting the business. Oh, goodness. That's ass-ass backwards, isn't it, than so, what it was intended to um, do? So I'd, so what I did was uh, I, we decided to shut it down. Mm. Now, here's the deal. The last three years of my recovery, uh, I'd gotten married. I had my kids back. My husband and I live on property uh, at the house in our own apartment. Mm-hmm. I have my kids. I'm doing the deal like I'm showing up, and I'm doing all the work you're supposed to be doing, and I'm starting to kind of develop a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I believe. I'm believing. Mm-hmm. I'm believing. Um, and... And I got to shut down the milkshake shop. And now here's the thing. The thing that made me feel like I was worthy, the thing that made me feel oh, like man. I had accomplished something, shut down. And I... Not to mention, you had to shut it down. I had to shut it down. And uh, and I got to a point where, what I just said, I knew I couldn't drink. Like, sobriety is amazing and awesome. And I'm not rich. And I drive a piece of crap car. And... You know, but I've got a great husband and my kids in my life and I have women that I work with and, you know, and I wake up and don't want to die because that's a horrible place when you're drinking that you wake up, you do not want to drink, but you do. Yeah. I don't want to You can't drink and you can't not drink. So I'm going to, I want to die. Yeah. Right. You know, and I lived through that for so many years. But anyways, so I, 
and I put my hands out. Like people say, I talk with my hands, but I think it's because I visualize. Mm-hmm. Like I visualize like this alcohol in one hand. Like I know this will make me feel better. I know this makes me breathe again. Mm-hmm. But I can't do this. But I can't live like this. Who am I? What am I gonna do? Oh wow. Um, and this was. There was only one other time I'd really reached out to God, but this time I hit my knees and I cried and I begged and I said, God, like, please take this from me. Like, help me get through this. Um, And I'd love to say that this bush caught on fire and I had this aha moment and that's not what happened. What happened was I woke up the next day and I knew it was going to be okay if I put my foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that. And I got a job uh, that paid actually more money than I was making it unshakable. Okay. Um, but it was very hard on me physically. And so now where I am today is I'm still running the sober living with my kids and my husband. And my husband's amazing. He's a great leader in the recovery community for men. Yes, he is too. Um, he was a house manager for a men's sober living for many years. Um, and we that's just how we formed our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we just, we, you were talking about walk the walk. Um, I don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. I... When that moment happened where I went and I sought God and, and the result was the next day that fear was gone, I knew he was real. And so I have been seeking God like alcohol every, every day. Um, but if I had not shut up <laughs> and, and sat down, and let people tell me what to do. Uh, I don't think I would be here today. And uh, and what I can tell you today is I'm I'm about to. I believe everybody can choose their own higher power and their own God. But I'm a, I'm gonna get baptized soon. Oh, praise the good uh, My so kids fun. are uh, learning about God, but they know more about God today than I did when I was their mm-hmm. age. Um, I don't force it on them, but we talk about him. Um, and I have a lot of unknowns going on in my life right now, just with the house. It's just, we need so much work done on Sunshine, and there's just, I'm just not that marketer that can go out and, you know, I'll preach the word, but, um, you know, and, and I was kind of losing faith for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I kid you not, God does this thing where one person will tell, told me, um, you know, faith and fear don't live in the same house. Right. Uh, so if you're fearing, you're not having faith. Mm-hmm. You have to have faith. Mm-hmm. And and then another person said, you know, you're just being tested right now because you have to have faith. And it just kept coming up that I and I realized I wasn't having faith that God's going to provide no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I know because I'm alive today. Right. And so today I have this amazing. Re- I believe in God. I talk to God. God is my solution. God makes me feel there are times I have such bad insecurities. Uh, about my physical being, about who I am. None of that's changed in the sense that I'm still that little girl that just wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is, is I don't go outside to seek it. And, and I've had enough practice over the years to know that God's the only thing. My husband can't make me feel beautiful. Right. Right. My children don't make me feel beautiful. My friends can't make me feel beautiful. Uh, only God can make me feel beautiful, and I have to go to him every day. And, and I, what I've learned to do is say, God, help me see myself 
through your eyes. Mm -hmm. And he presents an opportunity every day, mm -hmm. every day. Um, I don't know. Do you have any questions? That's, that's that, yeah, it's beautiful. Sorry. Well, and, and, and I, I just, I can relate. And, you know, obviously our stories are a little bit different, mm -hmm. um, but it, but it's, it's, it's just interesting how similar they are, uh, uh, you know, uh. especially when it comes down to a, a higher power, if you will, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, um, having, I, I had, I, I had no faith in anything, mm -hmm. you know, um, I didn't even, what, what is faith? I mean, what is that even? Okay, I believe in, I mean, I would tell I you anything. I can't Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, and, sh and surely, <laughs> surely your God hasn't shown up for me because I wouldn't be seizing out um, uh, yeah. ready to kill myself if yeah. your God was that great. He must think I'm a real piece of shit like I do. We don't come from the same places, but that feeling of I want to die. Oh, I yes. can't, I don't want to drink, I don't want to die, I have to drink. I'm and gonna, I can't and I'm die. And so the only thing we can do is go into a recovery program. I mean, it's that's all the same. You know, it's just, and, and lo and behold, and I, I can remember too, I, I, and that's why I so relate to what you were talking about. It's like I, I, I could see good things happening mm -hmm. but I wasn't willing to go Ooh, that's God you know I, I just I didn't you know I would like I, I I would like to take some of the credit you know but but things it, it was um it's just beautiful yeah it's beautiful to look back and and especially to hear you say you know yeah. that's true when faith walks in the front door fear goes right out it the does. back door they cannot live in the they, same they house can't. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it, and to have faith. And I, I was talking to an, I was talking to another friend, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to have faith, right? And I heard it, I heard it, um, equated to, you know, you go to a circus and there, there's a high wire act and there's a guy coming out, you know, with a wheelbarrow and he's about to come, go across this high wire. I got faith. They wouldn't let him up there if right. he's would, not going to make right. it across, right? I've got faith he's done that once or twice before. But I, but if I had trust, I would go up and get in the wheelbarrow. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Right. Ugh. God wants us in the wheelbarrow. He does. He does. He wants us in the wheelbarrow. It's not, it, I just, at least my experience with God, it's like, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough that you have faith in me. That's, to me, in my world, mm -hmm. that was lip service. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I would tell you I believed I, I believed in anything yeah, just to get to you to like me, accept me, believe me, not judge me. I would, I would tell you anything. Yeah. But that trust, man, that, that is just, there is a, there is a fine line yeah. between completely giving up on life and giving complete trust to God. Yeah. They're just there for me. There that there was. I mean, it was just it, it. It almost looked the same for a minute until I saw. You know, I've heard the term uh, "grow your wings as you fall," wow. right? Right. You're gonna have to just grow your wings as you yeah, fall. Yeah. Every moment, every God moment, every time that I felt the presence or had some sort of confirmation was comes just from pain. Just another right, pain. right. Don't you hate that? I go through. Come I on. have to suffer and. Feel, because I don't seek him. I know. It is not in my nature to seek God when everything's great. Mm -hmm. And that's what this program has helped me do is like I need to seek him all the time. And for and the, the important thing I think about doing shows like this is that there are men and women out there that do not realize that they have purpose 
God put them on this earth to do something, and it doesn't matter if it's to drive a city bus. Mm -hmm. We have opportunities to be messengers and servants of, of, of our higher power no matter what we're doing. All we have to do is smile, be kind, throw a couple dollars in the bucket, right. open a door. Like there are things that we can do on God's earth that can help somebody. And we never know how that's going to help that person in that moment. And, and I believe that we are all put here for a reason and a purpose, whatever that may be. And there are women out there that think that they shouldn't even be living right now, that mm -hmm. hate themselves, that hate their body, that don't think they're worth anything. And the fact is, is we are all worth something. Mm -hmm. We are all worth God's love. Mm -hmm. And I believe that today. But it took me pain and hell and tribulations and trials and, you know, broken hearts and broken children and, right. you know, uh, things to get to a place where I honest that we are not on this planet just whirling around, ha working and making money and paying bills. So that is not why we are here. Right. That is mm -hmm. not why we are here. We mm -hmm. are here to take care of each other and love right. each other. And I think... I think we lose that um, that desire to be helpful because we're so selfish, mm -hmm. right? It's all about me. Right. Um, and what the program has done for me, what sober living, oh, my God, sober living is that. Sunshine Recovery House has taught me how to be selfless, mm -hmm. okay? Because I don't want to get up at 9 o'clock at night and go downstairs and UA somebody because somebody came right. home drunk or high. Right. And, um, but I do because I don't want to drink, mm -hmm. right? Because there are women that have gotten their children back in that house. Wow. I've gotten my children back. Because there are women that were like on the deathbed that have these amazing jobs to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we, the sad truth is that 90% of the women that come in leave. Some of them come back. Some of them don't make it back. But of that, the 10%, those, those, those few women like myself, have lives that are productive and children this is a generational thing mm -hmm. the children now have a mother right and so their children will now have a grandmother like it it's a riptide mm -hmm. and so just one woman getting sober isn't just one woman getting sober it's her whole community around her if we do the right next thing right well and 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 also you know it it took a minute it took a hot minute for me to get to this place but to get to a place where all of the – because I, I wasn't selfish and self-centered because I'm an asshole. I was selfish and self-centered because I was injured. I was yeah. traumatized. Yes. I, I, yes. I, I was in self-protection. Uh, uh, self yes. I was – it was – you know, the results are the same, right? right? But but I wasn't a liar because I was a liar. I was a liar because I was sick, right. when, you know, in, in, in active alcoholism. Right. But, but the fact of the to 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 sit here right now and all that you have shared with me, and to have an appreciation mm -hmm. for it, mm -hmm. is nuts. Right? It's nuts. Right. It's nuts. But when you can, because if, if you're going to do the deal, if you're going to get in the wheelbarrow, you can't have one leg out. Right. You know, and holding on to a safety strap. You're you're either all in. Or you're not. Right. God either is or he isn't. Per and if you're period. all in, yeah. then that means 
all your walking up the Franklin Street and the kids being taken away, all of that has to be in the wheelbarrow with you. Yeah. It has to, and the victories, they all have to be that yeah. beautiful mixture that you can help another one of God's kids yeah. with. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the go-go juice. That's the magic. That's I the unbelievable, that. weird thing and, and the way it works. If we can look at our past and all the pain that we've been through and know that the whole reason we went through it is because it's going to save somebody yes. else's life. Yes. Who is then going to save somebody else's what life. What else is there? That's it. What else is there? I don't have, I look at my past and I have so much shame and, and regrets and, you know, I wish I could have done things differently, but I have so much acceptance around mm. every choice that I made because every battle that I fought, somebody can relate to, mm-hmm. and someday it'll help somebody. Yes, because they- if you if you deny that or if you hide that one incident in shame or but you're you're de- you're denying what you're telling God. Okay, mm, you keep doing your thing, but I'm not going to let you use this to save another right. one of your kids. Right, ah, get your leg back in the right. wheelbarrow. Right, right, right. Right. You're exactly. either in the wheelbarrow yeah. or you're not. And, and when yeah. I was able to, because I'm, I'm just dumb. I got to have things dumbed down for me and, and put <laughs> in a way I can understand it. If I'm all, if I can keep my ass and keep your hands and legs inside the wheelbarrow at all times, <laughs> you know, if I can do that, yeah. then I know that I live my purpose. And the beautiful thing is, um, you know, my oldest child right now is 35 years old. Wow. Um, my youngest is 25 years old. Wow. Um, and and I, I know that were they standing right here, you know, um, and, and, and were asked if you could take back, you know, if, if God said, tell you what, I'll take back the alcoholism, mm-hmm. but you'll get what you get, you mm-hmm. know. They wouldn't do it. Yeah. All of the things I did to them, all of the things, yeah. it, all of the things – they they wouldn't do it, and I'm going to tell you right now, my kids know God better because I'm an alcoholic. But what else? Exactly. What you else? know what? We are truly reborn into what God had designed us mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. from the get. But I had to be broken in a million pieces so He could put we me did. right back together. I mean, put me we back did. together the way I was intended, and that was painful. We did. That was painful. And if you can if you can get past the fear of that pain. Yeah. And just, you know, you know, I, I hate fake it till you make it because I faked it for too long. Yeah. Acting as if I know that sounds kind of the same, but it's not. If I if I you know, I just had to I had to blindly have faith that something was going to work to pull me out of the I can't drink. I can't not drink. And uh, so far, I haven't been able to kill myself. Yeah. I know. We you try. Know, I know. We try. Right. right. We so, try. What, so what else is there? I think that's. It's just amazing to me. Uh, I, you know, I sit here today. I'm 45 years old. I have two children that I'm older adults that I'm trying to build relationships with. And if they don't want to, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, but I have two smaller children, uh, 10 and 12, about to be 11 and 13, mm. teenagers, uh, wow. preteens, um, that have only seen me drunk a couple times mm-hmm. uh, that they remember right now. Uh, but I can honestly say today that I don't put a mood-altering substance pill liquid into my body in any way, shape, or form. Mm-mm. And that I am able to be a mom today and tell them no and give them restrictions and have them do chores and brush their teeth and all the chaos that comes around with being a mother. Mm-hmm. But I, I sat in that chaos the other night and just stuff going off in the sober house and uh, you know, and my kids not wanting to do homework, and my husband was saying, had his own stuff, and it was like this 
whirlwind of chaos and I literally stood there and just felt at peace because I get to handle that chaos mm-hmm. with grace and dignity and sobriety. Mm. And that is a miracle. And my children don't have to grow up with mom that's dead, you know, really on the inside. Oh, for sure. Um, which is which is sometimes worse than actually yeah. physically being there. Yeah, because I, mean, I say I was there with them growing up, but I wasn't there, you know. I wasn't who I am today. Present. Yeah, present. How do you start your day? <laughs> I'd love to say I get on my knees and I say a great prayer to my higher power <laughs> and I read da 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 most of the days, I have a few passages from my book that I read uh, that just kind of remind me who I am at the core. I'm selfishly and self-centered, uh, what I can do about it. Um, and then it kind of, there's some prayers in there that are like, hey, God, help me be this way. Um, and then there's some things in there that um, literally tell me what to do mm-hmm. when, right? uh, <laughs> if, if things <laughs> crop up through my day. It's just amazing. It literally tells me, word do for this. Word. When this drops up. And then you pray. And then right. you, and it just reminds me that stuff's going to happen throughout the day, but that I just need to lean on my God, mm-hmm. period. Um, so I do that kind of repetitiously, repetitiously mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will tell you, the few times I've forgotten or been in too much of a hurry, I feel what I've related it to is the armor of God, yep. right? I Even if I half mean it and I'm just like, blah, 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 and I'm checking my phone mm-hmm. and read blah, blah, and I'm mm-hmm. still kind of not, and I'm reading blah, 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 blah. At least I've made some attempt right. to connect. Right. Uh, but the days that I'm just out the door, I feel naked mm-hmm. I, and things go wrong. And the only thing I can tell you is it's not that things don't get go wrong on the days that I have my armor on. It's that I have a different solution. Right. I'm not the solution. Like when things go wrong and I've done what I'm supposed to do and I've connected to God, I know I can intuitively know how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the days that I'm running out the door, it just all turns to shit and right. I'm crying by and the end like, of the yeah. day. You feel, and you feel the stress of having to handle and do and manage things yourself. All by myself. Yeah. That you that you have no business managing and controlling. Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that was hard for me in the beginning of sobriety. I was like, how do I have my will and my life over? I can't mm-hmm. physically. I have to do things. Mm-hmm. I have to. Yeah, but what am I doing? Right. What actions what's am your, I taking? What's your track history? Uh, what <laughs> am I doing? What's mine? <laughs> am I doing what you know my my people tell me to do, right. or am I doing what Natasha wants to do? Mm-hmm. And when Natasha does what Natasha wants to do, she ends up destroying everything worthwhile in her life in sobriety. Okay, S- sober, I can make a decision that can change my life tomorrow, and will, and have. Um. But by the grace of my God and by the grace of my program and my house and the fact that the people around me work just as diligently to stay sober, mm-hmm. um, I'm able to right those wrongs and, uh, and walk around with my head held high because I'm human and I do human things and I make human mistakes sure. um, and, uh, and share that with others. And you, and you do, and you, <laughs> and you do. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just here to tell you, and I, I'm, I'm not one that, that I don't, I don't blow smoke. I, you know, um, I just don't. Um, but, but between you and your husband, you're just amazing. You are amazing. We are just staying sober um, and doing what God would have us do. There's somebody that says, um, I look at my day, and am I doing what, what, what I'm doing would God endorse. Um, 
which is ironic from who it's got from. But anyways, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you know what I mean. That's the point. 100%. Anybody can say something that really right. resonates with you, and 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 I'm a lover, and I love people, and I have this. I found out what my thing is, and my thing is to love unconditionally, even the ugliest and meanest person. Mm-hmm. And forgive, right. um, which is why I think I'm in the place that I'm in in sober living, like being a house manager, is right. that is that I can find so much unconditional love, and mm-hmm. I just love people. I love everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a people person, which is a long way from that little girl hiding right. underneath that desk. I did not know it took yeah. sobriety to bring that about, but um, I, I just I I don't know. If somebody could truly see who I thought I was and the way I walked to who I am now today, it w- you would just be baffled mm-hmm. as to what happened. And, and, and the only thing that I can tell people is walk with me. I'm going to show you how I'm doing it, not done it, Right. how I'm doing it. And if you want what I have, which is peace, serenity, love, joy, safe anger, mm. safe frustration, mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. feel, I feel, sta- no I have a mu- I have emotions today, like human emotions today, um, but if you want that, I can show you the way, but I worked for it, right, I, my husband and I work for it, mm-hmm. right, we yeah, you do, do what people tell us to do, and we do it over and over and over again, and every day, when we don't want to, there are days that him and I want to throw our hands up in the air and pack up and move away. We don't mm-hmm. want, you know, to have our lives interrupted right. all the time. But we know that if we do that, because if God wanted us to do that, he'd make a way. Like, mm-hmm. we know that if we don't stay where we're at right now, um, we're going to get drunk. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. And if I drink, I'm going to die. Sure. Period. Yeah, I don't have another Period. one. Period. I don't, I don't want, I still have enough fear I guess it's a healthy fear. Like, I don't live in anxiety that I'm going to drink. But I have enough fear over and feel and experience. I have enough of remembering of what I felt Respect. like. That I know mm-hmm. that I can never take another drink mm-hmm. or pill. People say you can do anything in recovery. I'm not taking any mm-hmm. chances. I will have to be out for to, and administered narcotics before I take any. Yeah. Nar- I'm just not even. I'm too afraid of opening up that door of, of awakening that beast because mm-hmm. it is ugly and not pretty and hurtful and and deadly. Oh, I'm the same way. I don't even use cough syrup. Uh, the, the, I, I mean, I, I, read I the do. label. Of why the I don't I don't alcoholic. eat rum cake. I don't eat the, <laughs> the sherry sauce. It's like why the hell would I even? Why would I same take here. a remote chance? <laughs> no way. Same no, here. I don't need it. I don't. I don't need it. I can. I can live my <laughs> life just fine without those. Uh-uh. So some people, you know, and and I believe this. We walk the world as free women today because mm-hmm. we have a higher power and we work a program of recovery. But he also gave me a brain. But I am not. I know some people that go to karaoke in a bar. Yep. Nope. We don't. <laughs> That's go to, not me. I don't go to the bar to eat pretzels. No, no. That's <laughs> no, no. That's my place. Yeah. Uh-uh. That's where I find him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, but you don't find the him with a capital H. No, no. <laughs> right? Yeah, I gotta find a better way of saying that because him is like him. Yeah, but it's but not mm-mm. him. No, he does. Well, I I can tell you that um, a, a a dear 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 friend who passed a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, said to me at one time when I was still pretty sick, you know, um, I said, why are you taking the time to even try to minister to me? You know, mm. and he said, 
he said, you know, I believe that there will come a time when I go to heaven. And he said, my, my goal is to have at least one person come up to me and say, I'm here because of what you did. Yeah. I'm here because you stayed. Yeah. I'm here because you spoke up. I'm here heaven. because you took a chance to, to you know, yeah. say this or you took a chance on me. Yeah. And he said, that's my only goal in life. In that very moment, that became one of my goals in life. Mm. And I'm, a, I'm here to yeah. tell you, sister, yeah. you're going to have a few people lined up. <laughs> look, if I could just have one woman look at herself in the mirror and not hate herself, hate her body, hate the way she looks, and find the love and joy. Because I still have all those insecurities. Mm. But I have a solution for them today. And, uh, and I really didn't think I deserved to live. I'm just, you know, I'm too ugly. I'm too fat. I'm too dumb. I'm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I spent my whole life, nobody's going to love me. Nobody can love me. I'm unlovable. And, and, I, and that is nowhere near my brain today. Like, if I could have one other woman understand that she is worth being loved, that she is loved, and that there's a way that she doesn't have to feel that pain anymore, like then we've done I've done what God put me on this earth well and a lot of us and a lot of us feel feel that even even you know because as I mentioned there's a lot of there's what we call them normies people that aren't in addiction (laughs) that listen to the show that resonate because we especially and I I can only speak for being being a woman we I don't know a single woman that doesn't have those uh, those types of insecurities and and vices and in my my humble opinion the the solution is still the same yeah it's 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 getting in the wheelbarrow yeah you know it's yeah. um it's remembering not necessarily who you are but whose yeah you are you yeah. know um and if you can find that connection you know it, it, for me like i said i gotta have things dumbed down i have to go to the very very you know nth degree to be able to get that connection that's the only way god could get my attention yeah you know um, i'm one of those people not everybody <laughs> has to go to those depths yeah. of, of despair and and um, yeah. just uh, just awfulness. Well, I think you are absolutely amazing, no matter what you say. I, I just and I love your humility. I love your selflessness, and I love that I know you. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to me and share your. Experience, I love what you're doing, and, and I think we need to start. Um, I respect and love my program, but we need, people need to talk about mm-hmm. this. People need to know. I, it took me till I was 39 years old to really understand what alcoholism was. And I think that that I don't know if I'd known what it was earlier or understood it. It had made a difference. But we're just, we just, there's so many people out there struggling mm-hmm. that just have no clue what's out there. Suffering what resources and shame. Are, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like there are so many there's so many of us. Well, and and we and, and there's no there's no um, there's no social boundaries. There's no mm-hmm. gender boundaries. Nope. There's no e- economic boundaries. Nope. We and 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 the the similarities are just beautiful amongst us. And and it we is. we just we have a community that's yeah. amazing. So well, thank you for having me on. This has been a real. I c- I'm telling you. No, no time in my past that I've ever envisioned looking out of the Alaco building I know, right? to Waco. This is, 
gorgeous. <laughs> Talking about recovery. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's just media. been an amazing journey, and I'm 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 really excited to see what happens in your world. Yeah, well, me too. And yeah, let's in see. my world, and and you know, go Waco. We've You're got right. we've got some amazing recovery yes. here. Yes, uh, and it has saved my life. People so. not afraid to to recover yeah. out loud. I heard it. I heard it brought up, and I'll end with this: that um, you know, we we become so comfortable with our darkness that mm-hmm. we're not afraid to go into someone else's and help them oh, find their yeah. way out, yeah, right? And that that's what it's. That's true. what recovery is all about. And it's and it's true. It's yours for the taking, but you you know. You gotta, you gotta get that connection somehow. Yeah. So anyway, Yay, thank you so thank much. You. I love your heart. I love you, you, and I love your program. Oh, I love you too, and I um, love all this. Taylor McGaw, thank you again for sponsoring this episode of Purpose Driven Sobriety. I'm Christine. I'm alcoholic. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.